0: morning, church. Oh, that sounded a bit loud. Right, uh, we are, as as, uh, David said, we're continuing the study in uh, the book of John, and the passage uh, for today is John chapter 9. Now, um, there's a lot of verses in John chapter 9, but um, if you would forgive me, I'm actually going to read it all, um, because... It's a difficult one, it's one big story, and if you cut it, you miss bits that are relevant for what I want to share with you today, Um, because taken as a whole, as you'll see when we read it, it illustrates a collision between clarity and confusion, and that's what I want to focus on today. So, forgive me for two things, one, reading it all, and two, reading it quickly. So, John chapter 9. Where no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means scent. So the man went and washed, and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes open? they asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and then I could see. Where is this man? They asked him. I don't know, he said. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, well, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, well, he's a prophet. They still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight. So they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son? They asked. Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that now he can see? We know he is our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind. But how he can see now, or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He is of age, he will speak for himself." His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That is why his parents said, he's of age, ask him. A second time, they summoned a man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was born blind, now I see. Then they asked him, well, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I've told you already and you didn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples as well? Then they hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, and when he found him, he said, "'Do you believe in the Son of Man?' "'Who is he, sir?' the man asked. "'Tell me that I may believe in him.' Jesus said, "'You have now seen him. "'In fact, he is the one speaking with you.' The Lord said, "'Lord, I believe,' and he worshipped him. Jesus said, "'For judgment I have come into this world, "'so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind.'" Some Pharisees heard this and they said, what, are we blind too? Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. Let us pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this opportunity to consider it this morning in your house. And we ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will be present with us, to open our minds that we can understand your word and draw closer to you this morning, we pray. Amen. Okay. Sorry that was so long, but I'm going to talk about the collision between clarity and confusion, and we needed to read all of that so you've got it all in your mind. In many ways, this passage reminds me of a good uh, detective story or a good murder mystery. Does anybody watch Midsummer Murders or Agatha Christie, you know, Hercule Poirot? Because they follow a format, don't they? A, a, A body is found and there are people around, there are witnesses, and then the detective arrives, either Inspector Barnaby in Midsummer Murders, or or it'll be Hercule Poirot with his impressive moustache in an Agatha Christie, and he'll examine the body, and then he'll talk to the witnesses, and then he'll go and he'll talk to people who knew the person who's dead, and they'll sift through all of this evidence, and they'll come to a conclusion as to who committed this murder and why. Well, in this story, we don't have a murder, but we have a, an unbelievable event has taken place. A man who was born blind, who has been blind all his life, suddenly is walking about and he can see. And there are witnesses, there are, there are people who saw it. We get to hear from his friends, we get to hear from his neighbours, uh, we get to hear from his parents. And the Pharisees, if you like, they're like Inspector Barnaby or Hercule Poirot. They come, they come in to try and sift through all of the evidence and talk to all of the witnesses and find out what actually happened. The problem is that whether as Inspector Barnaby is extremely efficient and always gets his man, and Hercule Poirot the same, always passes through the facts and arrives at the right conclusion... These Pharisees are more like Inspector Clisoe. They bumble their way through it, causing chaos. So what I want us to see this morning, firstly, is that something unbelievable had happened. This man, who had not been able to see since he was born, can now see. And the interesting thing about this is that there was a simple clarity about what happened. Because we're told, number one, Jesus saw the blind man. Number two, Jesus made some paste with spittle and mud. Number three, he put that paste on the man's eyes. Number four, he told the man to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. Number five, The man went to the pool of Siloam, washed, and when he came out of the water, he could see. There's no element of confusion or uncertainty or room for error. It's extremely simple. There's a stark, simple clarity. Jesus saw the man, he made the paste, he put it on his eyes, the man washed in the pool, and the man could see. Simple clarity. And it's important for us as Christians in this messed up world in which we live, for us to retain the simple clarity of our faith. Because Christianity for me is nothing if it's not simple and straightforward. Jesus himself said, anybody who does not come to the kingdom of God like a little child cannot get in. You don't need a master's degree in theology to become a Christian. Christianity and faith is simple clarity. Jesus said, I died, I rose again, if you believe in that and you accept me as your, as your saviour, I will come into your life and I will bless you and guide you and direct you and you will spend eternity with me. Very simple. And we as Christians, I believe, in the world in which we live, we must retain that simple clarity of faith. We see it time and time again in the Bible. Moses at the Red Sea, with the Israelites, they come out of Egypt, they're hemmed in between the Red Sea and the pursuing Egyptians. And it says that Moses said, we'll stand still and wait for God to help us. And God did. We see it in Gideon, where Gideon has a, an army of 3,000 men to fight against the enemy that are oppressing them. And God says, I don't want you to go out with 3,000 men. I want you to send 2,700 of them home. I want you to fight with 300 men. Again, no questioning, no discussion about military strategy. No analysis of that situation. No seeking advice from all of his other leaders. He simply did what God told him to do. Elijah on Mount Carmel, faced with all of the prophets of Baal, and he stands there and he challenges them on that mountain to prove who was the true God by calling fire down on the sacrifice. Simple clarity. He had, they had faith, they trusted God... And they stepped out in faith and did what God wanted them to do. The more we can look at life through the simple clarity of faith, the more effective we can be as Christians. The reason it's so important is that blurred vision can damage our faith. Anything that blurs the vision, blurs the edges can damage our faith, and if you read this passage again, that is what happened. Men and women today find it hard to believe in the simplicity of the gospel, and if you look at this story, we've already seen there was no possible disagreement about what happened. Christ put the mud on the man's eyes, the man washed, he could see. Very simple, But then the neighbors and his friends, they see him walking about and he can see. And and it's wonderful, the dialogue that's included in chapter 9, read it later. And they say, well, hang on, he can see. Well, of course he can see. Yeah, but he can't see because he was born blind. Yes, but he can see, look. And so they can't accept the simple clarity of the fact that God intervened in that man's life. So one of them says, oh, no, 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 hang on a second, it's not him it looks like him, but it's not actually him. Problem solved. But then the man himself says, no, 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 it was. It was me. Me, I'm right here. That's what happened. So then they're they're puzzled and they they go to see Inspector Barnaby. Sorry, they go to see the, the Pharisees to try and sort out what's going on. So the Pharisees steam in, and they start talking to all the witnesses, and they ask the man, well, what happened? And the man told them. He tells them about four times, you know, in the story we read. And then they say, well, this can't be right. We're going to get his parents. Somebody go and fetch his parents. I mean, his parents are probably having a quiet evening in. Suddenly, they're, they're dragged in front of the Pharisees, and if you look at the question, they ask the, fact, they ask the parents, they say, is this the son you say was born blind? You see, you see how, how sneaky and how slowly and how pervasive this, this confusion is as it creeps in? You know, it's like when the serpent said to Eve, did God really say you couldn't eat that apple? You sure? And, and so they say, well, tell us about your son who you say was born blind. And I love, I love the response of the parents, right? They say, I got time's marching on. The, the parents say, look, we know four things. One, he's our son. Two, he was born blind. Three, he can see. What we don't know is what happened. And the Pharisees are not happy with that. They pull him back in and they have this dialogue, well, he must be a sinner. And the man says, well, how can he be a sinner if he's just restored my sight? But they can't cope. They're constantly trying to find something to fudge the situation. Something to take away the clarity. Something to confuse the issue. And as Christians, in a difficult and challenging world, one thing's for sure, we are all going to have tough days. We're all going to go through times where life is tough and life is difficult. All of us, I'm sure, have had times like that. So there are people in the church this morning who are currently going through a difficult time. And when we go through a difficult time, the things, the human things that are bothering us and troubling us and keeping us awake at night, they kind of close in so we can't see the wood for the trees. But if in those times we could remember that we could look at life through the lens of the the simple clarity of faith, then it restores perspective because it says, whatever happens to me, I'm saved. God has saved me. My eternity is secure. God loves me. He knows my situation. He has his hand on me. He will deliver. He will do the things that he's promised. You see, basically... And I apologize to Linda for what comes next because she's going to get quizzed when she visits those ladies later this week. If they they quiz you about the sermon, they're going to have some quizzes for you. So, if we're a Christian this morning, right? If you're a Christian this morning, you have accepted Christ as your Savior. You trust Him to bless you and guide you and direct you. You have a remarkable tool available to you. You might have it in your pocket, you might leave it at home, you might use it every day. And that tool is like a pair of high-powered spectacles which are fitted with a lens of faith. And you can put those on and then you can see the things that are happening to you with clarity and you can remember that God loves you and is in control and is blessing you and guiding you. The problem with glasses is Unless you absolutely need them to see where you're going, you tend not to wear them all the time. How many people have seen me with a pair of glasses on? I suspect one over there. I don't wear them very often. I mean, I claim I, I only need them when it's a bit dark. But I was comforted this week as I read Charles Haddon Spurgeon, that great English preacher. He actually wrote... As I get older and my sight is weakening, I find myself reluctant to wear my spectacles because I don't want to look old. And <laughs> I thought, wow, I, at last I have something in common with Spurgeon. Uh, and then he said, but as I got older and I realized I couldn't see without them, then I stopped worrying about getting old. But this is the thing, we have these spectacles, we put them on and we can see with, with, with the clarity of faith. Now. I searched all week for an analogy, and, and I came up with the analogy of the spectacle, so hang on with me for a couple of minutes, right, because I found recently when it's my turn to preach, often something weird happens in the week leading up to Sunday to kind of give me a bit of a prompt. <laughs> Last time, if you remember, I told you how the, I was about to climb up a ladder and a little bird flew down and basically stopped me. Now for anybody who wasn't here then, they're thinking, this guy is Looney Tunes. <laughs> I'm going to write to the elders and say, we're not having him back. But talk, find somebody who's there, they'll, they'll explain it, okay? So anyway, this week, Thursday, the, uh, both the remote controls to open the garage door stopped working. I know, it's a first world problem, but it's still a bit annoying. So we, we call a guy and he comes out, really lovely fella, But busy, he was a bit flustered, it was very hot and he had a busy day. So, he starts to do it, and he fits a new control unit. As you know, I'm very skilled in all matters of DIY and maintenance, so I I very skillfully held the stepladder for him. So, he finished all the installation, and then he said, all I need to do now is program the remotes. I said, that's great. So, he goes over to the unit, and then he goes, oh, no. I said, what's the matter? Said, I'm, I'm ever so sorry. he Said, I can't, I can't program the remotes today. I said, Why not? He said, Well, I've left my glasses at home, <laughs> and I can't, and I can't see. <laughs> so, you know where this is going, right? I said, Fret no more, young man. I have the answer. Stay right there, and I'll be back. So I came back with these bad boys. They're only 19 from Walgreens. Simple readers, but they've got these lights. Anyway, <laughs> I, came back to, I came back into the garage. It's me, who is hopeless DIY, right? Hopeless. But guess what? I saved the day. Because I said to him, have a go with these bad boys. <laughs> now, he looked a bit startled to begin with, to be fair. But he put them on, and guess what? I'll switch these off now. Uh, he put them on, and suddenly he could see. The darkness disappeared, and he was able to complete his job. And it stopped, it didn't change his life, but I mean, it stopped his day ending on a sour note. Now, this man's a nice man, a competent man, a busy man, in control, he knows what he's doing. But he was not able to complete the job that he'd come to do, because because his vision became blurred, and he couldn't see what was going on. And, And to make this analogy, and hopefully forgive my antics this morning, To make this analogy even more powerful, think about this, right? We all know that we should be engaged in evangelism. But I think we all, including me, we all agree that, well, it's a difficult thing. How do we do it? Now, staying with the glasses analogy, some people would say to me, right, what you should be doing now, you should be knocking on every door in your street And when they open the door, you should wave those glasses at them and say, hey, you want to get a pair of these? These are fantastic. (laughs) Now, some people may respond well to that. Others, you know, maybe not so much. But, but, I stumbled into this, this understanding this week by mistake. It's so much more powerful and effective. And guess what? Easy if you just hand... The glasses to somebody who needs them. Because the guy, when I gave him the glasses, there was no reason for him not to try them. And he tried them and it solved his problem. And so, for us as Christians, we need to make sure that as the world closes in on us sometimes and we get issues and things that are worrying us and concerning us, and they're very real. And they close in and they can make things a little bit dark and they can blur our sight of Christ and weaken our faith. We need to remember in those times to metaphorically put on those spiritual glasses which enable us to see our life through the lens of faith. And when we see it through the lens of faith, we, we remember then that God has said, I love you, I care for you, I protect you. Nothing's gonna happen unless I am in it. I will be with you in whatever you're going through. And the second aspect is, we should be ready to lend those glasses of faith to anybody we bump into who needs them. Anybody who's worried, anybody who's concerned about the things that are happening in the world. It's not a hard sell. We can say, look, you're struggling with this. I'll tell you what's worked for me. Try this. It's a powerful way to get across the message of the gospel. Time's up. Thank you for bearing with me just to underline what I've tried to say. The glasses thing, I'm hoping you'll remember it. You'll remember it, and when you remember it, you'll remember the principle behind it, which is we have the ability to look at life through the eyes of faith. Let's make sure we do that and not get crowded out by the challenges of the day-to-day world that we live in. Let's pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much because you've given us so much. Lord, help each one of us, or particularly anybody today who is feeling low because of the things that life is throwing them, Lord. Help each one of us, Lord, as it were, to put on those glasses of faith, to look at the world and our situation through our, the simplicity of our faith. You love us and care for us and will deliver the things you have promised for us in your precious Unworthy worthy name, amen.